Uh, Shall I pray for you? All right. Oh, Lord, thank you for what you've already spoken to us this morning. Thank you that you are here with us by your spirit. And thank you for uh, the word that you've given John. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would bless his words and that you would open our hearts to hear what he has to say to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, it's always hard to follow children. Um, Isn't it lovely? Well done, Hayley, if you're still here. And... uh, and Teresa as well, and Mike, I think they're, they're all involved somehow. Um, this morning I wanted to maybe just share a little bit of a story um, about me. <laughs> um, no, I was just thinking in the week I was chatting to someone and I was just thinking about my own personal journey and I thought, you know, we like to hear testimonies, we like to hear people's stories, so um, I thought I would just share a bit of mine. Um, many of you will know I grew up in a Christian family I grew up in church, literally, church was in my home uh, from, from the day I was born. And um, there, there is relevance to what I've got to speak about. This is just not me wanting to tell you about me and talk about me. But, but I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, it's interesting because um, when you grow up in church, and, and so my kids are growing up in a Christian family, they're growing up going to church and... There are many other children that are here. Obviously, all the children here are growing up in church. Um, and maybe some of you did as well. You grew up in a Christian family, and there was some kind of Christian influence in your life growing up, whether it's a grandparent that might have brought you to church or something like that. But for me, it was very much a major part of my life. My dad was the pastor of the church. He, many years ago, felt to leave his job and just to be available to God. And, and that meant practically that he would just be around in, at home and be available. And people would turn up at the door. And um, one of those, if this is echoing, someone needs to go on there, Timo, and you're doing it, good. Um, And uh, one of the earliest people that turned up at our door was Betty. Um, I don't know how many years ago, Betty, but a long time ago. And um, Betty and I are two of the oldest uh, attendees of this church. (laughs) Um, I was just a baby, but um, yeah, anyway. Um, (laughs) But we, um, anyway, yeah, so... People would just turn up, and in the end, people were gathering for Bible studies, and my dad would sit down in our lounge and would just go through the Bible, and then in the end, uh, to, after a few years, I don't know how many years, there was about 100-odd people in our home, 125, so that we, um, Betty and her husband, Alan, um, moved down the road, literally four days, three doors down, and we had church in their house and the kids in our, in our house and then it swapped round and all this kind of thing. And so I grew up in that. I grew up with, with um, seeing God do things in my family's life and in, in the church. And when you grow up in that, you, it's not just going to church every Sunday. It's, it's seeing so much of what we would say is the Christian faith or church or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it depends how you might want to explain it, but um, I'd seen so much. I remember going on journeys with my parents, and I, and I was thinking this morning, there was a time back when Hungary, I think it was Hungary we were, or it might have been Czechoslovakia at the time, before the Czech and Slovakian kind of um, split. And um, we, I remember we went into a room, they closed all the curtains, it was completely dark, they switched on a lamp, and there was about 10 to 15 people, and we had to be quiet, because they was having a meeting, because in those days it was a communist country, and um, if you were having these kind of meetings, you could be arrested. 
And, um, and I thought that was fascinating. I felt like I was in a spy movie or something. I mean, I was probably about, you know, knee high to whatever. Um, and when you experience these kind of things, you can't deny why are people following God in such challenging, difficult situations? I remember times growing up in my, in my home, my mum and dad decided at some point in the period of their life they wouldn't ask any money, wouldn't get a job, wouldn't ask any money from anyone, and they would, what would be termed living by faith, they would trust God would provide. And that sounds very great, but in the reality of it, that can be really challenging. And I remember at one point where we didn't have that much money, it was great for my fashion sense at school. Um, if you ever see young pictures of me with glasses, um, many of you will know, don't laugh, who's laughing? Beverly, um, does anyone remember the National Health Mahogany Effect plastic glasses? Yeah, I had them through school. Yes, all the way till I was 15 years old. You could bend them, you could throw them away and go and get a free pair. That was my character building that has made me a man today. Um, but that was because we didn't have much money. I remember we had no money and someone turned up at the door. I don't know if it was anyone that someone might know. With a big uh, cardboard box of meat and said, I just felt to come and bring you meat. And if you know me, I'm sorry if this offends everyone, but I love eating animals. Um, uh, the, the mainstream ones like beef and chicken, things like that. Um, and but the, not, not some of the ones that were, yeah. And I remember that. I remember times where, we, where you could not deny someone was watching over us. There was situations, I remember being on holiday, we were driving for ages, um, we would do a lot of driving around Europe, camping and things like that. And I mean, it was pouring down with rain, literally like monsoon. It was in uh, up some mountain somewhere, probably Switzerland or Austria, you know, those kind of places. And it was pouring rain, trying to find a campsite. Um, and my dad said, look, I tell you what, let's just stop here. So we just literally stopped the car. Uh, it wasn't on a road, it was somewhere, you know, we just stopped and said, I think if we go over there, we're, that's where we've got to go. So we just stopped the car, we thought, there's no point driving in this weather. We, we, we got out of the car, we went, we found this campsite, it was just over there, we carried our stuff. And then um, the next morning, once the rain had died down, we, we went to find the car. And we found that the car was literally, now I'm not lying, the car, if this stage was the edge where there was a lake, our car had just stopped and we never saw the lake. And you do things like, okay, you could say it's coincidence, but you can't, when you have many of these things, you can't deny there is someone watching over you. Um, we, I've seen so many things. Um, uh, some, uh, Alan, as you'll remember uh, particularly, and maybe some others, in the early days in this church, you would see things happening in this meeting. I mean, see things going on in people's lives, transformation, um, things that you could only put in the realm of the demonic going on. Um, I mean, I'm, th these, these things that you might watch on TV and uh, over this period of Halloween, that's why I don't like Halloween, because I've seen the reality of the spiritual realm. And no, some people don't believe it exists, but when you grow up seeing it in my home, people being set free from, from things that have kept them bound up in agony of mind and, in, and heart and body, um, being set free in this room here, seeing, sitting at the back of meetings and seeing this happen and as, a, as a young person. It's great to see my son at the back there and really listening to what I've got to say by uh, writing notes by the looks of things. Um, <laughs> but I would sit back there and I would observe and I would see things happening in this meeting that you cannot deny. 
Now, up until this point, say I'm about 15 years old in this story, um, I am not a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian as much as going to McDonald's makes you a burger. <laughs> Being, um, living or growing up in a Christian family doesn't make you a believer in the sense of when we, when we talk about people giving their lives to God and being followers of God. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches a personal revelation or personal realization that God is real and true and I want to give my life to him. And when I was 18 years old, I came to that conclusion. I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't naughty. Well, I was, obviously. I was a teenager, but I wasn't like bad off the rails, bad. I mean, <clears throat> um, but when I was about 18, I used to hang around in church with Betty's son, Paul, and Alan's son, Paul. And we, the three of us, we would hang around and we got to a certain age where Paul and Paul um, stopped coming to church on a regular basis. And I was still here in church because I just didn't, I just didn't feel the liberty to go. One, I'd probably have to move out of my house because um, just the context of me growing up, I've become so, so much part of church. To leave church as a community it was very difficult. So, I mean, that's me looking in hindsight. But I had other friends here and things like that. And I remember over a period of a year deciding whether I was going to follow God or whether I was going to go the way of the world. Because something in me was convinced that God existed. But I knew I had to make, and this is, I'm speaking as if I was back then, a personal decision to give my life to God. Because I had to make a choice. Am I going to go that way or am I going to go that way? And, um, and the, it took me a year. I was toing and froing. I was working out. But what about all these things I'd love to do in the world and just be at liberty to go and do whatever I want? But yet I'd seen the power of God that I'd understand of God. And I'd seen the truth that I could not deny what was going on in, in, in the God realm. I couldn't deny it. I was also having a, um, a struggle internally because if God is true, it's, then I have to believe what happens after you die. So if God is true, I have to stand before God. And if I don't know him when I meet him, then it's hell for me. I, I, you know, that's what the Bible teaches us. If I go the way of the world, I'm not going to know Jesus. And so throughout this year, I was in, not in term, I wasn't, but I had to have dreams of going to hell um, um, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? But this was where I was at. I was in this place. What am I going to do? And after about a year, I remember John Major became prime minister on the very day. I can't remember the day, but I just remember John Major became prime minister. I don't know if that was what turned, you know, made me go the way of God. But, um, but I, I remember, and I went into my dad's study, and I said, Dad, I've got some questions. And I just asked him loads of questions, just reasoned myself with him. And I said, okay, Dad, I want to become a Christian. Will you pray for me? And he prayed for me. And I went in and I told my mum, and, you know, my mum was really happy, and I think she cried or whatever, I don't know. Um, and that was it. I just literally made a decision. And I turned up on Sunday, and I knew how to, I've been in church for 18 years, but I knew how to pray. I knew you put your hands in the air. I knew you stood up when we were singing, and you, stood down, you sat down when the person was talking. I knew how to, I was a professional Christian. 
I was a better Christian than anyone else because I had 18 years of experience. And when I say 18 years, I'm talking like three or four meetings I had to go to with my parents. And I had all these experiences. I knew what it meant to be a Christian. And so I could turn, I knew I could turn up at church, but what I didn't account for was when you give your life to God, he comes into your life and it blows you away. And you think you're the same person coming as you did all those 18 years and you think that you're going to see it with the same eyes. And I knew nothing about church or Christianity. I knew nothing about Jesus except for a few things, facts and, and situations in my head that I learned in Sunday school and in youth group when I was listening as Alan as we will remember, I used to hide a, you know, the old Walkman, you don't have a little, they used to be about, you know, the size of a, um, a five pound coin, you know, those. And I used to have it up my sleeve and I'd be like this. And uh, I got caught once. Um, but they're so kind. Huh? Three times, Three times was it? <laughs> um, but I, but, and this is where I want to get to this morning is that there is something so different about the Christian life that only when you're in it do you know it. Daniel, the other week, he was talking about where he went to look for a, a flat or, or a house and he went into a room and he, he, he was talking about it was a really small room with a table and he thought this would never do. But then there was a door and they opened up a door and it was in this big room um, and he said, oh, maybe we can get a pool table in here. We could fit a foosball table or whatever it was. But this idea that he had came into this place and thinking, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Is this, if we come to church, is this it? I want my kids to not come to church and think, is this it? That we just come and sing songs? And it's lovely to have the kids come and sing and we can have those ah moments, we can have those emotional moments depending on the style of song. Is this it? Like we sung earlier, there must be more than this. Surely, there must be more than church. And the fact of the matter is, there is. And it's that I want to talk about this morning. So that was my intro. <laughs> you know, so... If you have your Bibles, um, if you don't, then I'm, I'm going to read it out. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the challenge for us old-timer Christians um, is that there is, there is something that God has given us that we can start to withdraw from. And if you like, if... if my pre-18 years of Christian life was purely natural. I want us to make that comparison. It was just natural. Everyone could have just seen and done what I'd seen. Anyone. You could be whatever kind of religion, background, whatever culture, you could have seen it, everything that I had done. I had nothing special. I'd received nothing special. I'd been blessed. Don't get me wrong. I have a lovely family. Still do. I love them to bits. God's really blessed me. But... But if that's the natural, God wants to bring us into something more. And I'm calling that the spiritual. And this is chapter uh, 2 of uh, 1 Corinthians. And this is verse 9. It is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm going to read that again. Listen to it. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What a wonderful promise. 
You know, we had that saying, the sky's the limit. Well, this is saying the sky's not the limit. Our understanding is not the limit. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond all the things we can ever see, touch, hear, sense. It's beyond everything God has prepared for those that love him. There is something more. Amen? These things, verse 10, God has revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your understanding is of God, and I know that there are some visitors here. So, God is a complex being. He is a three-in-one being. He is one, complete, but yet three persons. And we see God in Jesus. He is fully God. We see the Father. He is fully God. And then we see the Holy Spirit, who is fully God. And don't worry if you can't get your head around that, because you never will. <laughs> we just have to accept that three in one, he is one complete God with three persons. And the Father and the Son are fully in the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Spirit are fully in Jesus. And Jesus and the, and what's the last one? The Spirit are fully in the Father. Um, and there is, it's clearly declared through Scripture again and again and again. It is not anything new, but it is completely un human, because God is not human in that sense. He is in Christ, but not, you know what I mean, some of you. But what a wonderful passage that God has shared his heart through the Holy Spirit. And listen to this in verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. I want to tell you this morning, God has got a treasure trove of blessing and joy and, and experience and adventures for you, but you will never know it unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. It takes the Holy Spirit to be able to communicate that to us. My brain, now let me speak personally, I'm, I'm not, I'm, there are others here that are far more intelligent than me, um, but this is the thing, it bypasses intellect. It's nothing to do with intellect. It, there are many men and women who will study this as scholars and professors and study the Bible and they do TV programs and all this kind of thing, but unless they have the Holy Spirit, they will always get it wrong. I'm talking about the depths. There are certain things that you can read this. You can read that Jesus died on the cross for our sin in the natural. You, you can understand it. But I'll tell you something. When the Spirit makes it real to you. See, I became a Christian at 18. And after I got over the fact that I had no idea what it meant to be a Christian, I remember actually there was a time when I was with uh, Paul, your Paul Betty. And I hadn't seen him for a while because he had kind of gone off with his mates and I was still in the church. I'd become a Christian by that time and I was hanging out with people in the church. And then for some reason, I met Paul at um, Gary and, and Cheryl's house, which is um, some of you might know. And Paul came and we were chatting and he said to me, what's happened to you, John? You've become funny. <laughs> and that is the truth. I said, I, I don't know what I said. I said, it's Jesus. <laughs> but we received this. I don't know why I went there. Where, why did I go there? Anyone? The Spirit makes things real to us. The Spirit reveals the things of God to us. And we can know things in, in the natural, but we, what we don't count for is that when God comes in, he changes us, he reveals things to us. 
And he wants to reveal those wonderful things that he's prepared for us. And this is what it goes on to say in verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Don't be surprised if the, the, the things of God are offensive to people that are natural, that don't have the Spirit. Because until God opens our eyes, we will never be able to get it. So we have to love people who don't get it. Because it's not their fault. He says in chapter 3, verse 1, But I, brethren, brothers and sisters, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh or the natural. As infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Where's that water, Donna? Oh. Are you not being merely human? Paul's saying that to Christians. Are you being merely human or are you being spiritual? When I grew up in church, when you said, Alan Robinson, he's very spiritual, what you meant was he knew a lot about the Bible, he was very pious, and he never did anything remotely naughty. <laughs> but if you knew Alan, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that was a misunderstanding of being spiritual. Jim's not here, Alan. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Alan was spiritual because he had been born again by the Holy Spirit. He was able to, to be something that he could never be in the natural. And he still is. Amen? There I <laughs> And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, you were born spiritual. You were made spiritual, but now it's like you're living in the natural. You're living in a place where all the blessings of God cannot access because you're, you need to access them in a spiritual way. And that comes by the Holy Spirit. And this is the challenge, I think, for us this morning, is are you being merely human? Talking to the church particularly, we have to be a spiritual people. And yet we can be very natural. Just because God has come and saved us doesn't mean that we are particularly being spiritual every day. And so, and there are, there are a few things. I'm just going to shoot these verses out because we haven't got time really to, to go into it. But um, Jesus said this. He said, do not lay up for yourselves. This is Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I was thinking about these kind of things. Like the, there's an, another verse at the end of that passage is, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
Um, Colossians says, if then you are raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So what he's saying is he's saying this, listen, there are two ways to see the world, see life. There is the natural, the temporary, there is the worldly, and there is the spiritual, the eternal. Where are you investing in? Are you investing in the temporary, the, the, the uh, fabric, the material, the natural, or are you investing in the heavenly, the spiritual, the eternal? Spiritual investment. We have to have a policy of spiritual investment. I've been thinking about policies recently. We have to have about seven million policies uh, for working with the council. But we need a policy of spiritual investment. Seek first the kingdom of God. How do you do that? That is a spiritual activity. How do we lay up treasure in heaven? That's a spiritual activity. How do we, what was the other thing? Uh, seek the things that are above. That's a spiritual activity. And we know this often by checking our hearts. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. Where do you spend a lot of your energy, well, we spend a lot of our energy on that which is of treasure to us. And there are many wonderful things we can do. It can be our material things, but it can also be our family. It can be our health. It can be our, um, ourselves. It can be a workplace. It can be many things where we invest our time and our energy in that thing. And sometimes that's the call of God. This is where we have to know the mind of the Lord. But when God says, seek first the kingdom of God, we have to align that and say, am I seeking God first as it relates to my workplace? Is my work more important than what God is doing? Is, is my family more important than God? And that's a challenge for people, isn't it? Let's not beat around the bush. There are many things that we, we have to come to, and this is what you can turn to. This is um, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. It says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Let me just, on this point, when you operate in the natural, you never operate in faith. When you operate in the spiritual, you're always operating in faith. So when he says, oh, you have little faith, he's saying, get out of the natural and into the spiritual. All right, just a little point there. Therefore, do not be anxious about, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles or the natural people seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
and all these things will be added to you. See, God isn't asking us to go about with, with no clothes, no house, no anything. He's saying, get your priorities right. If you invest in the spiritual, everything else will flow out of that. And when we struggle with that, what we're highlighting is a lack of trusting God and also a lack of trusting our own abilities. And I, the reason I was thinking that was because of this. It's very easy for us to identify when we don't trust God because we take control, right? And when we take control and we're anxious, it's because we don't trust our control. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me. Because if I was in complete control, I wouldn't be anxious. I wouldn't be worried. But I'm worried because I'm in control. And I know my own limitations. Seek first the kingdom of God, is to say, let God take control. Give your time to him and he, he will take care of your time. Seek first. These are the words of Jesus. See, the crux of the matter is, do we believe that putting God first is really the best in, investment of all that we are and have and how that outworks in the natural. Is it Johnny Cash who, who um, wrote a song, um, so, earth, uh, so heavenly minded, no earthly good? Is that, is that right? You know, and, and I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that we have our head in the clouds, we ignore our responsibilities, we don't care for the people around us because we, we're just going to church a lot. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the best way I can care for my family is to go to God first is to be obedient to God first, is to trust God first, is to invest in the spiritual, not just in the natural. Are you naturally minded or spiritually minded? See, if we were to say, seek first the kingdom of God, I just realised I've missed a whole page in my notes because <laughs> I did double-sided printouts. Maybe that's the Lord. That's just through me now. Yeah, are we naturally? I've gone straight to the end though, Pete. And I've, I've uh, amen. Some are saying amen. You for going, amen, early coffee. But seek first the kingdom of God. Now I will say this, maybe I can just go back and say this. You know, when, when we're led by the Spirit, we are unconsciously led and we are consciously following. I think this is important just to add before I finish. We are unconsciously led. When we was driving that car, my dad, I believe, fundamentally was unconsciously led and he stopped at the right point. There are times, I don't know about you, where it's like, do you know what? I, it was like I was led to this place and I saw such and such at that right time and it's almost like God didn't tell me to go there at that time. I found myself at that time, and as if it was like a God moment, sort of unconsciously led by the grace and the love of the Holy Spirit, where God is already knowing, he's seeing you, like a father and a child, he's seeing a child running, and he's just getting ahead and moving all the obstacles and all the dangers out the way, or just lightly just sort of like pushing them to the side so they get somewhere safe or whatever. God is moving and leading us unconsciously. But the Bible is very clear of a conscious following of God. I'll give you one example. Um, I will give you one example. Note to self, don't double-side your notes. 
Galatians 5. Some of us will know it if you want to turn to it. This is verse 16. I, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, that's the natural self, are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, that last line Many of us might think, and, I, and, and you young people, if you're listening to me, if you're still in the room, I can see, I can see Emily. I can see Anna Joy. When you grow up in the Christian family, there is a, a thought process that says, I'm missing out on stuff in the world. But what this verse says is that deep down in us, when we come into things of God, there is a desire for the things of God. There is something new that changes in our desires. And there is a war. Their natural self is looking out there. Our, our new spirit life is drawing closer to the things of God. And there is a battle. And, but this is saying that deep down we know what we want to do. And we want to do the things of God. I think the enemy comes along and says, you know you really want to do that. You want to go out and you want to just live your life out there in the world and following the way of the world and giving yourself over to all sorts of things. But if you search the depths of your being, if you love the Lord, you will know you don't want that. That's what I think that's saying. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the Spirit, and what this means is, is all those things of the flesh, all the things that you find yourself doing, and then when he comes to the Spirit, he says, listen, when this, you give when you walk in the Spirit, when you just give your attention to the Spirit, these things start to flow out of you like fruit. A tree doesn't struggle to bear forth fruit. It is a natural occurrence of it drawing in all of the resources and the light, and then fruit appears. And so this is what we see. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's the conscious activity of being spiritual. Now let me finish with some of these things. We think about what does it mean to seek first kingdom? What does it mean to be spiritual? Um, the first thing in this is to think about how being spiritual is reflected in your time, particularly with God. Prayer, I personally think, is the, is the most spiritual of activities. And again, I'm not talking about, it's, you know, oh, here's a great prayer. They are very spiritual. It is the moment where the natural has nothing to do but fidget and distract and when you're in prayer, if, I was, if we was just to close our eyes now or, or just go into a place of quietness 
and we connect with God in the Spirit and we can meet with God on one-to-one and we can pour our hearts. We ascend, if you like, I like that word, out of the natural into the Spirit. It is an activity of the Spirit. That's why if you're not praying regularly, can I be blunt this morning? If you're not praying, praying regularly, you're probably drifting more and more into the natural than you realize. And if prayer for you is only really accessible if it is satisfying your natural senses, then you are becoming more natural. And so the discipline of prayer is about becoming more spiritual. And that takes time. We've all got a journey on this, haven't we? And that's why I forever say, if you lock yourself in, shut the door, sit even in quietness. Everyone can sit in saying nothing for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You, it's, it's a challenge, but you don't have to do anything. Just sit there and say, Lord, I'm here. Teach me to think on you. Be still and know that I am God. That's what the psalmist says. It's the most spiritual of activities. Worship what we did this morning can be done in the natural. We can come and sing. We can be professional Christians and all this. I've said this before to the church, so forgive me for repeating myself, but I'm believing it's the Spirit. So. But the Spirit, when we come to worship, is when we consciously open up our hearts and give God the glory and praise and mean it and say, I want to ascend the hill of the Lord, as the psalmist says. Worship is a spiritual exercise. The, uh, the Hebrew writer says, you know, you need to, ex- this is the end of chapter five, exercise. Like we would, I don't, but exercise our bodies. Exercise our spiritual spirits. How is that reflected in how you use your money, your home, your possessions? I said that before earlier. The precious society is for us to have things, whereas Um, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, puts it in its right place. It's not about having nice things. It's not about, you can have many nice things. God wants to bless us, that's fine. But that's not it. It's about knowing God, the treasure of knowing God. How is is that reflected in your decision making? Are you available to God or are you just waiting because God's available for you? Like the old saying, you know, ask not what we can do for God but what God can do for you. That kind of saying. There's a verse, 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of God compels us. Let me read that properly because I think it's worth it. For the love of God controls us or compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him for who who for their sake died and was raised. For me, after I'd become a Christian, I'd come into the things of God. I remember being, uh, and this was a groundbreaking moment for me. I was in a meeting, a youth tent uh, meeting at a conference down in Devon, and I was at the back, and I was one of the youth leaders in this thing. And there, uh, uh, I can picture even now, there was the stage at the front, the, the band were playing, and I just had a picture, and a picture of Jesus on the cross. And then I had a picture of me sitting in every meeting till I was 18 years old. And I would sit there and he would there be on the bloodied on the cross, nailed on the cross. And he'd say, John, I'm doing this for you. And every time I saw that, up to when I was that 18 years old, I turned away and I said, I'm not interested. And then the next meeting, it would be the same. 
all the 18 years, and I saw that. I saw what, who I was to Jesus, and every meeting was him saying, John, I'm doing this for you. I'm dying for you, John. I'm bleeding for you, John. And every time I got, I got off my seat and I said, no thanks. And, and he revealed that to me after I became a Christian. He didn't come to me and judge me and say, that's it, I've given you, what's 52 times uh, 3 times 18? <laughs> Many chances. John, I've given you all the chances in the world, but he still loved me enough to save me. Amen. And that, that's why I'm here. That's why I want to be spiritual. I don't want to be natural. Jesus didn't die that I could just be a nice person. He died that I might know him and that I can be a part of this great kingdom of God. Words fail me, I must confess. But are we being merely human? How is this reflected in my lifestyle? When you look at Galatians 5. You go through that list at your own time. Are you living in the flesh or are you seeing the fruits of the Spirit? I love this. Are you being merely human? We are superhumans. <laughs> We are, we are not merely human. Just going back to that first verse. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now we're all journeying with God, and, but we need to beware that we don't start to drift into the natural. It is biblically spoken of that that is a possibility we have to be being spiritual. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you as well because there's a great joy when you connect with God in spirit. This isn't a hard task, but there are disciplines. We need to be the disciplined people of spending time with God, of worshiping him, of listening to him, of being obedient to him. It isn't a, a once, you know, I've, I've, I met Jesus, now I live my life and wait till I go and be with him in heaven. It's an experience of a personal and living relationship with God. And I know we all, we, it's part of our mantra, not mantra, it's part of our message here, isn't it? Amen? Amen? But we need to consciously engage with God in spirit. And so my prayer really is that we might experience the spirit of God leading us. Shall we pray? I don't know if the worship team want to come up. Maybe we could sing, um, no, we won't sing that. Whatever you want to do. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are so very real. Lord, you're not just an idea. You're not just a far off, but you've made yourself near, even in our hearts. Lord, you want to fill us with your Holy Spirit. You want to make us like your son. You want us to, not just to make us behave like your son, but you will treat us like your son. The relationship of a father. What a wonderful blessing. Lord, thank you for all the various things that you've got prepared and planned for us, Lord, that we, Lord, that we can come and move into and experience and know the adventures, Lord. Who knows where we will be in five years' time because you have led us and we've followed you. Lord, will you minister to us? We encourage us. Will you help us to? If we are got a bit natural, will you come and just cause us just to look to you afresh? Lord, we don't need to come to you and be born again, again, but we just need to focus our hearts and minds on you. So, Lord, I do thank you. And I pray for us now, Lord, just as we just 
Meditate on these things. Reflect on these things. Lord, that we might leave this place with a determination to be, no longer be, merely human. In Jesus' name, amen.